Uh, well, uh, good morning. It's uh, good to be here. Uh, I was just thinking uh, this morning as I was sitting in the uh, Breaking of Bread service, I remembered coming here when I would visit my grandparents uh, in the summer. Uh, and um, it's, it's, it's good, to be, good to be here, and it's strange to be up here for a change. Um, usually I'm looking from down there, but now I'm up here. <laughs> uh, things have changed. I do remember sitting in that uh, Breaking of Bread service across from my cousin, he would sit over there, and I would be giggling the entire way through, causing a lot of problems. So uh, hopefully I don't cause too many problems up here uh, instead. So today, obviously, as, as it's been said, I'm going to be speaking from Philippians. Uh, and we're going to be looking at Philippians chapter 4, in verses 4 uh, through to 9. Um, and we'll be considering, uh, firstly, the peace and then the presence uh, that prevails against panic. Uh, I'll try to get alliteration in there. Um, hopefully that helps us to remember. And, and just if, if you are from unfamiliar with, the, with Philippians, the, the letter, it is a letter written by a man named Paul, uh, and an early Christian who was an eyewitness um, of the risen Lord Jesus, and who spent the latter half of his life, uh, around AD 30 through to 70, travelling around the Roman Empire, telling others the good news of the Bible. During his ministry, he wrote many letters. One such of those letters is this letter to the church in Philippi. And I understand that you looked a little bit about that church last week, uh, looking at the conversion of um, Lydia, a resident of Philippi. And Paul penned this letter towards the end of his life, uh, awaiting uh, the very real threat of execution as he was imprisoned in Rome. Uh, and so we shall now read then uh, Philippians chapter 4 and verses 4 down to 9. And it reads this, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honourable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is, any, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. We all uh, worry all to different degrees and in many different ways. Admittedly, some of us may cause more worry than we receive uh, or experience, yet worry, anxiety and fear is something we all endure. Uh, it's, the future is full of uncertainty. And we do try to peer into that future, attempting to see outcomes sometimes, to find certainty, to find peace. But always, uh, undoubtedly, we fail. Whether it is worrying about the opinion uh, of others, the opinions they have of us, uh, or, or whether uh, if someone likes us or not, or, or worrying about money, whether we'll have uh, enough to pay the rent or, or the electricity bill, or worrying about whether we've passed that exam or uh, got that job, or whether we've lost uh, our job, or worrying about loved ones, uh, being anxious about their future, will they be okay, uh, or worrying about our own future, worrying about maybe our health, whether that scan will come back positive or negative, um, or, or worrying about what will come next, uh, what will happen when we die, when will I die. Worry grips us all. Uncertainty is all around us. Uh, what will happen tomorrow? Will tomorrow even come? Uh, we take a moment even to look up, the world, uh, look up at the world around us, uh, and there isn't much comfort there. We have war, poverty, death, disease, pain, suffering... 
um, natural disasters, mass shootings, um, hurt. Um, it's just more uncertainty. And looking at the statistics, for example, in England, in a given week, about six in 100 people will be diagnosed with a generalised anxiety disorder. Uh, and the statistics for common, health, uh, common mental health conditions show that about 20% of people will suffer from some form of depression or anxiety in their life. Um, there's much to worry about, uh, and the future is uncertain. And this letter, this, this letter to the church in Philippi, is written into that same world to a people facing very real problems and very real challenges. It's very easy for us to distance ourselves uh, from the realities of history, but this letter is not fiction or fabrication. These words were written with a purpose, and moreover, these words are the word of God. See, the city of Philippi uh, was located in northeast Greece, and you can still visit the ruins today. Uh, and at this time, the city was part of uh, the Roman Empire. And if you were to go uh, and visit today, you would find traces of that. You would see uh, grand Roman architecture and Roman city planning. And in fact, the ancient city is often referred to as a small Rome. And the people were mostly Roman too. Uh, it was a Roman colony, essentially. Many Praetorian, or Praetorian guards, the elite unit uh, of the Imperial Roman army that would be personal bodyguards to the Roman emperor, uh, would come here or move here in retirement. Uh, in short, Philippi was the Rome of Greece. Uh, the same Rome that at this time in the first century uh, have Paul under house arrest for preaching the gospel. And the same Rome in, who is currently uh, under the rule of Nero at this time. You know, it's the Nero who persecuted Christians with heinous atrocities. Uh, he would um, feed them to lions for entertainment or he would have them burned uh, as giant candles to light up his gardens. Uh, or even just execute them by crucifixion, a slow excruciating death. This letter is written to a people surrounded by worries, a worries of being ostracized, worries of being killed, and it is written by a man on death row, no less. Uh, these verses we have just read you will see are towards the end uh, of this letter, and they are parting words meant to comfort and encourage the Philippians, to give them peace in an uncertain world. And we see that in verses 7 and verses 9. Paul writes these words to the Philippians that they would have the peace that surpasses all understanding, verse 7, and the, presence of the, uh, and the presence of the God of peace, verse 9. And so then we have our two sections, verses 4 to 7, the peace, and verses 8 to 9, the presence that prevails against panic. Words written to bring peace uh, to a world of worry, a world of uncertainty, a world we all live in. So then, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. What is the first thing you do when faced with worry or struggles? All of us will have strategies to cope with anxiety or worry. Um, for some of us, it might be that we turn to others, uh, to friends, family, maybe even uh, the internet. Um, we look to others to bring us comfort uh, to, or to help us deal with our worries. Um, for some of us, we may turn inwards. Uh, we may be more contemplative, uh, considering in ourselves how we might manage the problem, weighing up all our possibilities. Uh, yet others still, uh, we may turn to things, things that will distract or dull our senses from the worry itself to take us away from the reality we're facing. Uh, most of us, I imagine, will have done all three maybe at some time. Uh, and in some of these things are, are good. Some of these things are good. It is good to seek advice uh, from others, to bring others in, to share in your burdens. But they too are human and limited in their knowledge of the immediate future and don't always give good advice. 
Likewise, we ourselves are equally limited. All too easily, the thoughts can consume and swallow us whole, becoming paralyzed with the ultimate possibilities, the ultimate unlimited uh, uncertainty of it all. And things, uh, well, they are fleeting and will fade. And sooner or later, we have to face the reality that is before us. Uh, And so then the call here in verses 4 Uh, as we consider the peace that prevails against panic, is to first and foremost, in all things, always rejoice in the Lord. That is, that we should find our true comfort, uh, our true delight uh, in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that when worries or trials come, our first answer is joy in Christ. But what does that mean and how is this any better? Well, firstly, joy in the biblical sense is this idea of contentment or happiness that is not based on circumstance. As we have established already, Paul writes this letter under imprisonment, awaiting execution. Yet this letter to the Philippians is a letter of joy. Rejoicing and joy play key themes in this letter. It is often uh, titled the epistle, the letter of joy. And you can see that in chapter 1, in chapter 2, and in chapter 3. Scanning through, you may see the word rejoice or joy stand out. Uh, Paul, You see, Paul can rejoice, and he can tell the Christians in Philippi likewise to rejoice also, uh, because of what the Lord Jesus has done, or what, what he's achieved for them. It is is because of the good news that Paul is proclaiming that he is in prison, but ironically it it is also because of that very same good news that he is able to rejoice. You know, earlier in this this letter, in chapter 2, Paul presents a part of this good news, the reason for his rejoicing, the reason that they can rejoice. And it it says this in Philippians 2 and verse 6 to 8. It says that, "...who, though he, that is Jesus Christ, was in the form of God..." Uh, He did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. You see, the truth of the matter is that the Son of God, God himself, humbled himself to die a death we ought to have suffered. Uh, We do wrong, we sin, we rebel against God, but he has saved us from the judgment we deserve and given us life instead for those that believe. And all because Jesus became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, because Jesus died for us. Paul and the Philippians know this to be true, uh, and so they can rejoice in the Lord, always. See, when worry and trials come, what the Christian can say is that though I may be suffering, I am saved by grace. I am saved to life. You know, and Paul expresses this idea, I think, beautifully in chapter 1 and verse 21 of, of this letter, uh, when he says that, uh, for me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. For the Christian, no matter what comes, the Christian is always saved from, saved from sin by grace. And so, in life, they live in the benefits of that blessed life, because of their restored relationship with God. And even in death there is gain, for they shall come into eternal life with God who has saved them and loved them. What is happening here is that when we rejoice in the Lord, it is that our worries and troubles, our future uncertainties, are being superseded with an eternal certainty. Um, It's a reorientation, a recalibration, a recalling of blessing, a recalling of truth, a recalling of certainty. Um, All worry looks to the future, and the future is always uncertain for us. But two things that are certain are the present and the eternity, an eternity. 
So again, when it says rejoice in the Lord always, it is one, to delight in the truth of the current state of the Christian, the blessings they have now, that they are uh, one that is saved by grace uh, to newness of life, a life of hope, joy, peace, fulfillment. These things are the Christians in Christ. And two, it is to delight in the certainty of eternity, of an eternity, with the God that has saved them. Uh, an eternity without sin, an eternity without suffering, an eternity without worry. Uh, the present blessings and the certain eternity achieved for the Christian through the Lord Jesus are the things in which we can rejoice. And in so doing, we take ourselves away from anxiety and worry and find ourselves with joy that is independent of our circumstances. Like as the dawning sun breaks, the darkness of night so too the joy found in Jesus overcomes the worries of this world. It is our first step then in towards this peace that prevails against panic. And then furthermore, uh, furthering on this idea of certainty in eternity, we have verse 5. Uh, I'm skipping to the end of verse or the end of verse 5, I think or yeah. So the Lord is at hand it says. Simply put, this world will not last forever. Christian or not, this world is fading. Uh, entropy, the, the general decline of the universe, uh, the to disorder uh, and death is a physical reality. The difference is in that one case, the result is the eventual decline of all things and the heat death of the universe, as scientists say, where nothing exists and all matter shall decay, there shall be no people, no things, absolutely nothing. The result bears little comfort and rather piles upon more worries, the, uh, that of existential worry. Uh, for if all things shall become nothing, does anything really matter at all? Um, in the other case, though, uh, though this world is fading and passing away, the Bible speaks of a new heavens and earth, and one in which all things shall be made perfect, in which all those who have put their faith uh, and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ shall dwell. For the Christian, this serves to quell further worry. For the Lord is at hand. One day he shall return as promised, and with him he shall take all those who belong to him to be with him forever. For the Christian in Philippi, under the threat and persecution of the empire of Rome and the rule of Nero, I'm sure things would have looked very bleak. But you shall notice today that there is no longer a Roman empire, and Nero is long gone. Yet the Christians in Philippi, I tell you, they live in heaven. Uh, Those that persecute him, Nero that persecuted the Christians, they're not there. They're perishing. Um, You see, these things are certain. These things are imminent. And so though, uh, Christian, you may face worry and troubles now, look to the horizon. Do you not see the coming dawn? Do you not not know where you belong? Philippians 3, 20-21 says this, just before the passage we've read. it, It says, But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the powers that enable him even to subject all things to himself. See what beautiful eternity awaits the Christian. Though worries and anxieties of this world may be overwhelming, yes, rejoice in the Lord now, but also know that the cacophony of noise that bombards our lives today shall give way to the symphonies of heaven tomorrow. And the birdsong of morning shall shatter that din of night. 
Uh, there's a moment in C.S. Lewis's book, uh, The Voyage of the Dawn Treader, uh, that I am reminded of. It is, I think, my favourite of the whole series. And in the end of the story, where Reaper Cheap, a brave and noble mouse, is entering Aslan's land, uh, a picture of heaven, the children of the story, Lucy, Edmund and Eustace, see a glimpse into that land. And, and to read a bit of it, uh, to give us an idea, I hope it should be of an encouragement maybe in some way. It says this, But now they could look at the rising sun and see it clearly, and see things beyond it. What they saw eastward beyond the sun was a range of mountains. It was so high that either they never saw the top of it or they forgot it. None of them remember seeing any sky in that direction, and the mountains must really have been outside the world. For any mountains ever, even a quarter of a twentieth of that height ought to have had ice and snow on them. But these were warm and green and full of forests and waterfalls, however high you looked. And suddenly there came a breeze from the east, tossing at the top of the wave into foamy shapes and roughing the smooth water all around them. It lasted only a second or so, but what it brought them in that second none of these children will ever forget. It had brought both the smell and a sound, a musical sound. Edmund and Eustace would never talk about it afterwards. Lucy could say it would only break your heart. Why, said I, was it so sad? Sad? No, said Lucy. No one in that boat doubted they were seeing beyond the end of the world into Aslan's country. I think this, in some small way, captures the beauty that is to come. Uh, The thing that we are looking forward to, for those that are in Christ, for those who are Christians, the Lord is at hand. Do you not feel the wind on your face? Can you not hear it? The king is coming. For Christians, uh, the knowledge of things to come, uh, that they have a home over the river of death, fills our hearts with joy, with peace. And this is another step then closer to the peace that prevails against panic. But returning to the present once more, in verse 6, we find it says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, that your requests be made known to God. In all of this, the challenges and troubles of life do still remain. Nothing has been said that promises a life without struggle, but what is promised is the strength with which to endure such trials, to overcome such worries. Uh, The Christian has access uh, to the throne room of heaven. We sung that uh, before the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect plea. Um, We can make our requests known to God. Our worries are not our own, but Christ's also. And so far as much as he hears, he listens, and he provides for us the strength to meet every trial that comes our way. The Psalms are full of such prayers, prayers for peace, for strength, for refuge, for security, and for comfort. Uh, Psalm 46, for example, says this, uh, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. And it goes on and it says here at the end, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So yet, even in our present worries and sufferings, when we are struggling and finding it difficult to rejoice, the Christian can in those times pray to God with thanksgiving to ask for the wherewithal to face the storms of life and in it uh, and in that be thanks be thankful uh, to be to be further reminded of how the lord has safely brought them thus far for our god is faithful to the end in this way the christian shall receive and be reminded of all that they have in christ 
Uh, We read this morning from Ephesians 1 verse 3, and I'll read that again. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And so then, in worry and strife, rejoice in the Lord always, in the certainties of eternity and in the blessings of the present. Look forward also to the coming day uh, and bring and bringing all our troubles before God in prayer with thanksgiving. Know that he shall provide for us the strength with which to meet them. In, and then in this, in Philippians 4 and 7, it says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Here then, uh, I think, in some way, is the peace that prevails against panic. And so then moving to our uh, second section, our last section, as there's only two, uh, we have the presence. And we come to that, and it's verses 8 to 9. I'll read those again. And it says in verse 8, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honourable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is holy, whatever is commendable, if there is, any, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. So here, the presence that prevails against panic. Uh, This final section, I think, can be separated into two parts for us. Uh, First, verse 8, it's looking at our thoughts, what we dwell upon. And then second, in verse 9, looking at our actions, what we do. And how how both of these aspects contribute to the presence that prevails against panic. In verse 9, we have a list of qualities, things that the passage says that we should think about, uh, that we should meditate on, the thoughts that we should dwell in. The truth of the matter is that worry starts in the mind. Uh, We have discussed in part these ideas in our first section, but here we shall try and delve a bit deeper into the operation of our thoughts. Um, When faced with worry and anxiety, as we have already said, we are being caught up with future uncertainty trying to see that which is hidden from us. Um, Verse 8 tells us that instead, where our minds ought to dwell, where our thoughts should be, are on anything that is excellent, anything worthy of praise. In other words, I think our thoughts should be on God and the truths of his word. For these are true, honourable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent and worthy of praise. Uh, And see, if our minds are fixed on these truths, the truths we find in Scripture, the truths that are eternal, the the truths that light up the present moment, then our minds shall not be worrying about tomorrow, or what we shall wear, or what we shall eat. Uh, We read this in Matthew, in chapter 6, in verse 24 to 34. Uh, I'll read that quickly. It says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and more and, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. 
but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious about it for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. See, here it is looking first to God. Uh, thinking on those things, first to his kingdom, his righteousness, to the things that are listed here in Philippians 4 and 8, that we shall find that our worries are dealt with, that they are no longer worries at all. You know, often we look to the future and we worry about what shall come because we have placed uh, our treasure sometimes there instead of heaven. Um, As it is said before, this world is fleeting. All the things of this world shall fade away. But that which is found in God's kingdom is eternal. There is a, a dangerous flip side to this coin of future uncertainties. You know, on the one hand, we do have anxiety, worry, but on the other hand, we have false hope. For some of us, we may have no real qualms about the future, uh, for we have convinced ourselves that the future will be good. Um, uh, we might uh, convince ourselves that we're going to receive physical blessings uh, now. Um, but let me say this, that if, uh, if that is the source of your peace, uh, then you shall be sorely disappointed. There is no promise of physical prosperity for any of us, and whatever possessions or power we do have or pile up on this earth, uh, they shall not come with us to the second life or to the next life. Um, and I bear no shame in quoting from C.S. Lewis again, and this time from the Screwtape Letters. Uh, briefly, just if you have not read it, uh, the premise of the book is that it is a series of letters from Screwtape, a senior devil, so to speak, in charge of his nephew, uh, Wormwood. Wormwood has been assigned a human to corrupt, and so Screwtape, is, in his letters, is passing on worldly wisdom to help his young apprentice. And in chapter 5, it speaks about worry and anxiety. And it reads this, and this is the perspective from the enemy. It says, But we want a man, hag-ridden by the future, haunted by visions of an imminent hell or heaven upon earth. Are we hag-ridden, fixated on the immediate future? Have we stored up our treasures here, uh, or are they in heaven? You know, either in despair of anxiety or in the deception of false hope, our thoughts should be on neither, but on the certain hopes and truths of God's word. To live in the present, never in the future, always with an eternal perspective. That is what our minds should be fixed upon, and so in doing, uh, we shall find ourselves one step closer to, that, to the God of peace, uh, the presence that prevails against panic. And so then, uh, as we've discussed a little bit, our, our thoughts, what of our actions? It says in verse 9, What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Knowing what action to take or how to live can be often a source of worry for us uh, and as we approach each situation. To know the best course of action uh, or knowing how to proceed will often cause a bit of concern sometimes. Uh, we've discussed previously the importance of prayer, uh, how that plays an important part in our, uh, in our peace that prevails against panic, but uh, in, in providing us uh, our virtues to meet each task. But we also have here as a guide to our lives the word of God. Uh, Paul beseeches the Christians of Philippi to practice the things which they have learned and received and heard and seen in himself. This is a call to live a life that imitates Christ. For elsewhere in 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 1, it says in a very similar way, Paul says this, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. 
See, there is a principle that proceeds from biblical wisdom that those who honour God, those who keep and follow his commandments, shall be blessed. In other words, the God of peace shall be with them. Proverbs 2 and 6 and 8 says this, for example, For the Lord gives wisdom, from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the path of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Or further on in Proverbs 3, 5 to 8, which is well known, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. And there is then in this sense that those who love God and keep his commandments, those who do the things uh, that Christ has done, uh, they shall receive blessings, spiritual blessings. Uh, and there's a, no better example, I think, than that of found in Matthew 6 and 2 to 12, the, the Beatitudes, the uh, blessings. It says, uh, a few of them, it says, um, Blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Or, uh, Blessed uh, are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Or, Blessed uh, are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Um, you see, it's in this way that those who imitate Christ shall be blessed. And then so shall find, as Philippians 4 and verse 9 say, says, the God of peace then will be with them. So here then, in thought and in deed, um, those who think uh, on these things, um, the things that are true and good, things of God, those who practice the teachings of God, uh, and of them it is said that they shall have the presence of the God of peace that prevails against panic. So then, uh, in conclusion, here we have the peace and the presence that prevails against panic. Wisdom and instruction that is so desperately needed in our, word, our world today. For the church in Philippi and for the Paul in Rome, both living in uncertain times, it was the peace of God and the presence of God that was their hope and joy. In the face of death, the worry of execution, they rejoiced in the Lord always. And if you are a Christian here today, the urge or the call is the same. However, if there are those here that would not call themselves Christians, those who do not know these things that I have spoken about to be true in their own lives, there is only one way through which you can receive and enjoy the peace that surpasses all understanding, and that is to be reconciled, to be made right with the God of peace. Uh, I spoke at the beginning about the Christian's cause for rejoicing in the Lord, the gospel, uh, the good news of the Bible. The only worry you need to be concerned with is the position that you have before God. The Bible is clear. All of us have sinned. All of us have done what we ought not to do. Uh, all of us have rebelled against God. We are guilty. But God, being rich in mercy, has delivered us from that judgment that follows, uh, follows through. Uh, the, the, the judgment uh, and, and I remember I quoted from chapter 2 of Philippians where it spoke uh, of Jesus humbling himself uh, to the point of death on a cross see he endured and suffered that death to pay the price for our wrongdoing by trusting in the death and resurrection of Jesus that is sufficient uh, for the forgiveness of your sin the Bible says that you are made righteous that you are made right that your slate is wiped clean and that you therefore may have peace with God, for there no longer stands between you uh, and God the problem of your sin. Uh, it has been dealt with and fully and completely on the cross, if only you turn and follow Him. In that, 
You too then may receive the peace that surpasses all understanding, and there shall be no longer any worry that will prevail. For as Philippians 3 and 20 and 21 says, Your citizenship shall be of heaven, and with God you shall live forever. This hope, uh, this is the hope, this is the peace, this is the joy in which we can rejoice. The peace and the presence here that prevails uh, against panic. Uh, Let us then pray as we close. Um, Dear Lord, uh, we give you thanks that you are a God of peace. Um, that you have stepped down into our earth to make peace with us, those that have rebelled, those that have turned away from you. Uh, But you brought us back uh, and you have uh, made a way that we might be reconciled, that we might be brought to you. uh, Through Christ on the cross, he suffered and died for our sakes. So Lord, we give you thanks. We rejoice in the Lord. We rejoice in that always. Lord, help us to be joyful uh, in these things, to be reminded of these truths that we constantly look to the present realities that we are so blessed in Christ and that furthermore we have an eternity secure with him. Uh, that has been said earlier that it is uh, so, uh, so certain that we could speak of it in the past tense. So Lord God, we give you thanks for these things. We pray that this peace shall be with us as we go out today. And for those of us who do not know it, we pray that they too shall come in to know this peace through the Lord Jesus Christ, that they might turn and follow you. And so, Lord, we give you thanks again in all these things. In Christ's name, amen.